0: Welcome to Frameline. I'm Barbara gosowski here as usual with my favorite critic, Courtney Small.
1: Hello, how are you today?
0: Great, how
1: are you? I'm doing very well, thank you.
0: Okay, so today we're going to talk about the offerings, some of the great offerings, at the Toronto Black Film Festival, which is going on right now and is continuing until February the 20th. If you want more information, go to torontoblackfilm.com. I suggest you go there. There's lots of events going on and screenings both in person and online so it's a nice nice bunch of hybrid bunch of stuff we've got some great recommendations for you today and uh, we're going to start off with a, a really really captivating film uh, called Aisha it's from Ireland uh, it's by a director named Frank Barry. he's an Irish filmmaker it's, so this narrative feature stars Letitia Wright. You know her from uh, both the original Black Panther and the sequel, Wakanda Forever. She's been in a couple of Avengers movies, including Endgame, and she's been in small acts. There's also a, a British, young British actor named Josh O'Connor. and I think his most famous role is in the the TV show, The Crown. He was in some of the earlier episodes or like middle episodes, I guess. He played a young Prince Charles, uh, Prince Charles who is now King Charles III. Um, Anyway, so Aisha focuses, uh, the story is about um, a woman, a young Nigerian woman who's seeking asylum in Ireland. And she just has to go through this awful maze of social services and bureaucracy, and it's just an awful mess that uh, I think really stands in, not just for Ireland, but for a lot of countries. And so things get progressively worse for her, and she's really struggling to, to maintain hope and her dignity. And The threat of deportation is always there throughout the entire film. And uh, so that's Letitia Wright in an amazing performance. And Joshua O'Connor plays this young security guard sort of at this hostel where they're housing um, the asylum seekers, where she was staying. And he befriends her. And so they develop an actual friendship, which is good because she's really got no one here and is really only relying on phone calls to her mother. And uh, what I I loved about this, this film, Frank Berry, the filmmaker, he's known for these like social realist dramas. um, But I found this the style of this really highlighted her situation in a really interesting way so it's not just social realism which is kind of like a stripped down style he's got this really evocative way of doing it which is um to 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 put her visually in the margins you know she's off to the side often she's surrounded by people she's surrounded by um the actual things in a space, inside a space, like she's framed in doorways, uh, things like that. So, and then he he contrasts that with when she's outside and she's talking to Joshua Connor's character, they, uh, you know, as their friendship develops, like things are much more open and stuff, but they're they're still, the landscape is very dire in its own way. It's like very flat, things are very flat. so I thought, in, in an interesting way, this is gonna sound insane, I know, but <laughs> follow me on this. Uh, in, in portraying her this way, her character, Aisha, and her, her terrible situation and how dire it's getting, the framing of her in the, in the actual frame reminded me of the way that film noir treats its doomed characters. Uh, because they use these kind of devices as well like film noir directors so it really had that sort of a feel to it and that's why I feel like this is more than just a social realist uh, narrative but like I said her performance is stellar Letitia Wright's performance is absolutely stellar.
1: Yeah I completely uh, agree with with the performance it's it's, it's funny because this film in many ways is a sad film um, just because of the stuff that the character has to go through. But it's also quite riveting, you know, despite the fact that you're seeing this woman struggle and all she really wants. And the film makes it clear several times all she really wants is a place to be safe. You know, she is fleeing from horrible stuff from the past she just wants to be safe she does not want any handouts she's more than happy to work she wants to pull her share being a contributing member of society but the way how the structures of a lot of this um, asylum process is it causes a lot of these individuals all these refugees migrants coming over to live almost a year without finding work living off the scraps of social services everything that they don't want to do and everything that society at large blames them for doing it's because the system is set up that way and then even when you know the individuals are lucky to find work they endure nothing but hardship racism a lot of locals especially in ireland you know pushing the the little bit of power that they have in clout like you know she she's often having rights taken away from her by people who are basically saying, well, what are you going to do about it? If you complain, we'll make it harder on your application. So she has to kind of bear it. And even the weight of all of that, plus the other stuff that she's dealing with in her life is really a lot for her to care. And I, I found this performance was quite, um, quite wonderful in how it's quiet. It is. And like, you can kind of feel the building anger, but I also liked, the way that they incorporated um, Joshua Connors character as well, Um, because he kind of forms a friendship with the titular character, but it's done in such a delicate way that it felt Mm -hmm. natural. It didn't feel like they were just trying to force this bond, this relationship. It didn't feel like it was some act of charity or that he was going to be the white savior that we often see in these type of films. Um, in many ways, he's a person with his own problems and flaws, and problems from his past that, in theory, should have him ostracized from society, make his life even harder in terms of adaptability. But because of his skin color and and you know who he is, he is able to basically rise up from adversity, and he's given a whole bunch of chances that this woman who's dealt with a whole lot more is not allowed to give. So it's like subtle things like that. It's, it's quite fascinating to, to see it overall. I, I, I really enjoyed this film. It's um as I said, it's, it's a sad film, but it's no less riveting. It's, you know, and the performances really elevate the material.
0: Yeah. Yeah. I totally agree with you about the riveting part. I mean, once I got like, <laughs> once I started watching the film, it was like, I was just I can't think of another I can't think of a synonym for a riveted but it was just like you you're just like drawn right in and you just you you have no sense of time really It's sort of like uh, timeless in a way mm-hmm. um, yeah and I, I I like what you said because uh, it gives you a sense that this is really um, it, evocative of of a lot of people's stories. And yeah, yeah, this desire to work like this, this like, ah, you know, you know that people just really, really want to do like they, you know, they've come for safety to, to do something to like, to do their best and to get ahead and to just make a life. But yeah, this, this system uh just keeps pushing them down.
1: Yeah. It make it really makes you think about how easy it is for many of us in the countries that um the asylum seekers migrants are coming to to fall into like a lot of the standard narrative tropes you know a lot of assumptions but this one really breaks down that wall and shows you what's really going on and then questions well why do you have these assumptions who are the ones that are putting these assumptions in your head so it's a just really interesting work um i'm gonna actually pivot and go to another film that's playing that I think is strong um, in terms of like the performances, um, the story. I don't think it holds up as well as as I saw, but it's still worth seeing. And it's called 1960, and this one is directed by King Chef and Michael Matumbo. Um, so this film is it's centered around a singer by the name of Lindy. And from the opening credits, you find that Lindy basically grew up in apartheid, South Africa, and eventually goes on to become this worldwide Grammy winning um, singer. Um, So as the film and the story really opens, you now see Lindy at an old age and she sees on the news that a body of a missing policeman has been uncovered and there's a investigator who's now looking into what happened and the investigator's name is uh, detective maseko so throughout the course of the film lindy is basically telling the detective what she knew of that particular constable that went missing because she feels that it's important for the detective and also the world to know the type of man who he is now trying to find the the killer of the murderer what have you Um, And then I guess a lot of it is told in flashbacks. So you see a a young Lindy as she's coming up, as she gets into singing, starts singing at the club um, and all of that while her brother is getting into the the protest movement. Because at that time in South Africa, if you were, I believe, 14 or over, you had to carry um, or maybe 16 or you had to carry an ID card. And it was just a really repressed time as apartheid was. And there was a lot of people who were mounting protests and kind of fighting the injustice and all the the problems that that causes so that's essentially the the premise of the film in a nutshell there's this mystery through line that's going through but it's also very much a film about the community and what life was like during apartheid like the mystery almost is secondary to to what happens and there's some traditional tropes that you expect you see the constable the one that went missing, being basically just a ruthless bad guy. Um, But you also start to see how different people had to survive during apartheid. And some of that meant doing just basic living day to day, dealing with police harassment. Some of it was people going to shady individuals for financial help that they probably shouldn't have gone to You know, there's hints of like forbidden love. Like there's just it shows you that in that world and in living in that environment to survive meant various things. It wasn't just like a cookie cutter. They protest and life changed. It was like a lot of hardship and people deciding how they wanted to go about it. Uh, I think the one problem I have with this film in terms of how the narrative structure is, is it throws too many ideas in it so while you have these great moments especially like when lindy's singing the musical numbers are are just fantastic like there's so much passion and emotion in the songs that she's singing that you're, you're happy when the film just stops to have this musical number but it's just there's a lot of strands that go on there's one of lindy's friends who you know is is working for this woman as a nanny and there's like obviously the racism that comes with that and due to her losing her job she's kind of being pushed close to this gangster, which, you know, nothing good is going to come of it. There's stuff with Lindy's father and there's a whole subplot with her mother, you know, her mother's death years ago. And like, there's a lot of different strands that some of which tied together neatly and some just feel um, a little too loose, a little too sloppy in terms of how it's it's tied up. Overall, I think it's an interesting film. I think it's it's worth seeing. I just feel that the narrative could have been tighter. Um and for the type of theme that it's touching on, and especially when it's talking about survival, how people survived, how people got out. Some people went on to success, some people never made it out. There's a way that you could tell some of those stories and, and just and have like a really powerful film instead of having so many different strands and characters that kind of you know disappear for portions of the film and then come back and like, oh yeah, I forgot about that person. And I don't really care too much about person X. I'm more interested in person why. So um, again, 1960s, still worth seeing. I just wish the the script was a little tighter and this film festival, since they have a wide range of stuff and, you know, we've been talking about a lot of the features, maybe we can jump to some of the narrative shorts that we're playing. Cause I know we saw a couple of those. Do you want to talk about Dr. Wes's Forever?
0: Yeah, uh, definitely. Actually, uh, both of the shorts that we're going to talk about, I just want to say they're, uh, executed in uh, in the most fabulous way, like really excellent uh, filmmaking, uh, directing, uh, very taut and economical structure and, and style, and in a way that's perfectly sh- suited for short ideas. Um, so they really communicate a lot because of the, the style and because of the, the tautness of, of the style. They really communicate a lot in their short time span. So, Dr. West's Fervour is by Maria Catrae Ausler. It's about uh, this psychiatrist, Anthony West, who's struggling with his own demons. And I like the way that the film unfolds because you don't really know, like it plays with our perceptions as we are sort of privy to his perceptions of things um there's there's like sequence where you know i'm almost sorry i told you he was a psychiatrist because there's this sequence where that develops where it's like you don't really know what's going on at the beginning the filmmaker just throws us right into the middle of this and it's fascinating the way that the style allows us to do that the way that the filmmakers um visual strategy really does that uh, it's it's like fast cut editing at certain points and so you know whenever he gets triggered it's like this rapid fire editing and it's sort of like it comes and goes and it it's like it informs the narrative in a way but also music is really important uh, so it's nice to see a film that uses you know the visuals and um the soundtrack to convey so much and yeah the music conveys so much about his world he's quite a character i I just love this film
1: yeah this one um was was quite entertaining and i i liked how relatable it was um especially in in an era where we we go to google for everything um and sometimes the the stuff that we get back from google sends us into a you know neurotic tailspin uh without actually verifying anything we just kind of see something and go oh this must be true and the ways that that messes with you internally and how it, it keeps you in a kind of constant state of of worry and and panic um and i i think it's quite interesting in terms of how this film is done especially like the opening moments as you said, when you're really kind of feeling what he is feeling. And then later on, you see him trying to suppress those things that we just saw him go through. And it's just it's quite well done.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Um, so the next film is called Woman Meets Girl. It's by Murray Peters. Uh, she's Canadian. What she does is she presents these two characters that come from sort of two extremes in life. Uh, annabelle is a very awkward 42 uh, year old woman and uh, Tessie is an extroverted 18 year old young woman um so we've got the the uh, sort of middle-aged accountant versus uh, the sex worker having cocktails <laughs> and <laughs> things develop, right? This there's, there's, there's sort of like odd relationship starts to develop between them. It's kind of an extreme situation, like you're using women from two extremes in a way, um, which was, you know, a, a little hard to get into at first because I thought, well, that's a bit much. Um, but the film, as it develops, does so in such a refreshing way. And um, I really love Peter's, like, combination of, like, bold, boldness in her strategy versus when things, you know, start getting wrapped up in a more subtle way. Uh, so I really think she, this director, she shows off her talents, like, in a very compact, uh, like I said, economical way. Uh, it, really, uh, it really makes this a compelling story, woman meets girl.
1: Yeah um I like this one as well and I think this is one that I I wanted to see unfold more like I think it's you know uh, tightly packaged 17 minutes worth of, of cinema but I I wanted it to go longer because there's so much that this film touches on that I thought I was really intrigued to see it dive into a bit more and I think I what I liked about it is when it first starts off you think it's going to be just a kind of conventional type of film where the older woman is essentially trying to talk the sex worker out of being a sex worker, or at least asking questions that will make the sex worker think about their life and whatever possible parental issues they may or may not have come to the forefront. And that film, it, it starts off that way, but then it, it pivots. And it starts to show you, well, you know what, outside of the professions, these two women are not that different. You know, the the one that you might think has like parental issues is actually not the one that has the specific parental issues, you know, and it really starts to play with your assumptions uh, for for both of those women. And as it unfolds and their relationship kind of starts to turn into something different, there's also another intriguing angle um, that this film looks at and and. Basically how we approach life, how we pr- approach relationships, the ideas of what a, a you know, love is in this modern day, what sex is in, in this modern age, there's a lot of interesting themes that um I really wished it had delved even further into, but it gives you just enough. And it
0: yeah. it gets
1: it gets to a certain point where it leaves you with certain questions in your mind. Um and you're always cognizant of the two women's ages in relation to the conversation. And then it just kind of ends almost at that perfect point, leaving, leaving you wanting more many ways. Yeah, like it's just exactly. Like, there's so much more. So, yeah, I thought this was a, a really well done film. Okay. And I think um, we can pivot over to the last film that we wanted to talk about. Um, and that is The Melt Goes On Forever, The Art and Times of David Hammonds. Um, and this is a documentary that was created by Judd Tully and Harold Crooks. And it's actually a really interesting doc that looks at the life of African-American artist David Hammons, um, who I guess started off within in the 60s and just kind of had this long-spanning career where he was creating... Art that kind of went against the traditional norms of what art was, and the more he bucked the art world and kind of questioned the the sensibilities of the art world and and pushed them away, the more the art world wanted him and and revered him, and it was just a, a really interesting push pull dynamics, and he he was. The individual that came up with the iconic american flag but like the black red and green one that you you see in a a lot of films but also he had installation pieces that people didn't quite necessarily understand and he would be the type of person that would take um for example a prominent black artist who was one of his influences and have it in a curated exhibit against a, a work from da vinci and, and put those two on the on the same level like he was just really groundbreaking so this film talks a lot about his life um spends a lot of time going through the the key artworks um over his career and how influential he was and specifically how he was able to kind of create and exist in within a system that really tries to stifle and he was able to to break boundaries
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, for the most part, he's he's like this conceptual artist. And there were a lot of times when it was really great that this uh, film included not just uh, people like that were friends of his talking and talking about his work, but also critics. So the combination of the voices really helped me because sometimes I, I find conceptual art goes beyond me. And um, certainly David Hammond's did that <laughs> um, but that's not to say that this film uh, does that it the, the film does that it doesn't go over your head at all it, because what it does is it uses all these voices uh in a to create this really lively portrait of him so that you just like follow his career you follow what they're saying and uh, you're just fascinated because he, he was a real character and then you start getting into the way because you know he was like he comes from the rebellious 60s right and especially uh, you know he started around the 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 era of the Watts rebellion in LA um, which was an important rebellion in the in the black community uh, and then To the ways that he, in a sense, critiqued American society, but he critiqued it in a way to always make you aware of issues of race and racism, and uh, bring that to the forefront. But also harken back to practices in African art, African culture, and bring that into the art world. And in doing all this, he's he's got all this like conversation going on in his own art practice, and then that conversation comes into the art world. And and he becomes an art star doing all of this. And I didn't know anything about this. And so this is one of those documentaries that not only makes this uh, this presence, this artist, like a palpable, like lively, really fascinating individual, um but it, it really helps us to understand his importance and it's like it I'm grateful for this documentary because now it's going to introduce him to a whole bunch of people that didn't know about him before yeah, yeah. i think it's important that way
1: yeah that's i was not familiar with this artist um i did see i i was aware of the flag thing i didn't realize it was him even the there's a great installation piece they did um, called, I think it was like the hood, um, where it's just literally this hood that's on a wall. And, but it makes you think of like the hood as in terms of like the a community hood, as in hoodies, um, uh, the various associations that we have with it. And even something as simple as him selling snowballs, uh, you know, and turning that into an interesting commentary on consumerism and society. It's-
0: and the practice of art making, like the labor mm. involved, right? Yeah, like nobody's ever aware that there's labor involved. And so even this simple snowball. <laughs> Sorry to interrupt you. No, no,
1: you're you're right. That's exactly um, the point. Like he's he's thinking outside of the box. And one of the things I liked about this film is it really emphasizes the the need not to conform to traditional norms um because in many ways if you look at his work through the art world and just think about society in general people are constantly trying to put you into boxes that they feel comfortable with uh, but those boxes often don't question the world around them they just accept things for what it is without questioning and he was all about questioning you know when there's a there's a, a section where he's talking to students because he has this fan rock fan art where's this giant rock with bunch of fans and he's talking to people that didn't even read the article or the interview or anything about him they just came to kind of see this exhibit and then some are laughing at it some are basically saying it's ugly and then he starts to question well what's ugly you know how do you define what is ugly versus what is appealing right and how you start to think well yes everyone has different um perceptions of that and then where does the 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 notion that this is this work of art is ugly come from like there's just a lot of different layers to it so one of the good things about this film is as you said it introduces you to someone that a lot of people probably aren't familiar with but also gets you thinking in in ways that i wasn't expecting
0: yeah absolutely um so i think that that wraps up what uh some of the things some of the great things that we saw at the toronto black film festival and so uh, we both encourage you to check out these plus all sorts of other titles. I mean, this is just a small selection, just a handful.
1: Oh yeah, there's a lot of stuff playing.
0: Yeah, so, and there's a lot of events and panels and, you know, um, check it out, TorontoBlackFilm.com. That's it for Frameline for this week. For Courtney Small, I'm Barbara Kosovsky. This has been Frameline. Thanks for listening.